0: This is the Faithful Christian Podcast, a podcast that hopes to encourage you in your walk and your love for our Lord Jesus Christ. During this time that it seems very unpopular to stand for the truth, we hope to be your go-to resource to encourage you to stand for what is true and right according to God's word. Let's go on this journey together. guys thanks so much for joining welcome back for those who are coming back for the third i guess official episode today we have a very special guest all of my guests are special because they're all my friends more than likely (laughs) but this is a very special guest to me this is um my sophomore year roommate nate bowen welcome nate
1: thanks brother glad to be here joining yeah absolutely
0: it's an honor. So I always get nervous uh, around Nate when it comes to these types of topics because I look up to Nate spiritually. Uh, <laughs> so I'm like, Nate, don't judge me. What? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, no, I do look up to Nate spiritually. Um, he has been key in my growth, especially during sophomore year through graduating from school. So I praise God for um, his friendship and for the fellowship that we've been able to share. And that we remain close after college, so that's a blessing as well.
1: Yeah, praise God, man. It's been a it's been a blessing to me as well.
0: Honored. All right, so let's get right into it. Um, we're going to be talking about peace. Last week, I recorded with Easy um, nice. on Joy, um, and it was really good. So I'm hoping that this week will be just as good, if not better. So just to get us started, when I think of peace. Often we think of the word shalom, or as we've learned from the Museum of the Bible, shalom.
1: <laughs> That's <All>
0: right. right. <laughs> <laughs> he made sure we
1: knew how to say that. And yeah, shalom. Say shalom. Yeah.
0: It's <laughs> so funny. And shalom or shalom is translated to complete or whole. In English, when we think of peace, we often think of the word as translation. The absence of conflict. So when there's no war, there's peace in your home. That's how we typically define peace. What do you think of when you hear the word peace, Nate?
1: Yeah. I think of it more as a state of, uh, I, I guess there's a couple of things. There's like a state of being like in your heart and your mind. Um, which isn't dictated by whether or not circumstances are going well or not. If anything, it's when it, when you're describing a state of your heart being at peace, it's probably most evident when things around it are not at peace. Like when your circumstances are not peaceful, that's, that's when it's most evident when you can most clearly see, Oh wow, my heart is at at peace and God. And then I think of, Uh, in a relational sense, Mm -hmm. peace, um, being right with someone, or if you have been wrong with them, being reconciled and making peace. Those are two things that come to mind for me.
0: Okay. I think that's, I agree with those. So I just have a little note here to myself. If peace according to scripture or the word Shalom is completeness, what is that? What is it that completes us? Hmm. So, you know, often we look for things to complete us, you know, like we look for external forces to make us feel whole or make us feel complete. Mm -hmm. Um, Even as believers, I think we're guilty of that at times, looking outside of where we're supposed to look to find wholeness. When we know, according to scripture, that our peace is found in Christ, right? (laughs) Yeah. So, how do we get to that place of realizing daily that our wholeness or our peace comes from Christ?
1: Mm. Yeah, I, I I appreciate you pulling out kind of the the Hebrew word and the, the notion of completeness. I wish I had my housemate Andrew here. He's a Hebrew scholar. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) But um, uh, yeah. You know, I guess, you know, when we recognize that we're not at peace, it is this recognition of things are not right, things are not correct. Something is missing, Mm -hmm. and we're going to try to fill that that void with something that we think will bring us peace, serenity. I think for the Christian, our peace was won for us. So it's it's given to us by means of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for our sins and resurrecting, resurrecting from the dead to reconcile us to God. So like there's that reconciliation. Make by making peace with God for us, mm-hmm. then He has also uh through that channel is like giving giving us a way to receive this completeness which apart from god we we did not have Mm -hmm. ever since adam fell you know there was that lack of completeness like immediately the curse like took peace away from the world and so that's when i think about like how do we seek that well what's funny is even on the day that peace was taken from the world what did God give? He gave promises. He didn't just give, you know, the curses and the things that were going to be bad, but he gave promises. And I think that is what, for the Christian, is, is central to our peace, is knowing the promises of God and um, meditating on those. And one of the passages that I've been reading lately is Psalm 111, and I think it's in verse 2 where it says like the works of the Lord are great studied by all those who delight in them. You know, all those who delight in the works of God, study them. And yeah. I think the result of that is peace. And also I've been reading the first Peter and, and Peter says to set your hope fully on the grace that is to be revealed at the coming of Jesus Christ or at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And, I remember reading that being convicted like fully, like not just some <laughs> of your hope, but like all of your hope. And, of it, yeah. and I immediately just thought about because my heart was thinking about idols and like other things that like well all of my hope and and I think that's where you have peace because if you look at the state of things in this world in a right mind, like it's jacked up, like it's sinful, it's terrible. But yeah. what can bring you Uh, a a peace and a serenity is knowing the promise that Christ will return with great grace and with redemption and with making all things right. It's like if you were in poverty, but you knew next week a million dollars was going to hit the bank, you'd be the Mm -hmm. happiest poor man on the street. Like you wouldn't care if you had to, (laughs) you know, beg for change or eat, you know, somebody's leftovers, Um, there would be this peace now. I'm like, man, like, who cares? Like, I would rather be poor for the rest of this week to get that million dollars than to be in a middle class townhouse for the rest of my life, you know? Absolutely. So you'd be willing to endure that poverty for the sake of that. And I think that's the same for a Christian. It's the promises of God that brings us peace. The future promise of Jesus coming, but also the present promise of him like telling his disciples, Lo, I am with you even until the end of the age, or I will never leave you nor forsake you. Or John ten, no nobody is able to snatch you out of my hand. Um mm-hmm. those those promises are present. Like and um for me personally, you know, I, and not just me, we all feel we have times where we don't feel that peace. And it's just believing those promises I think that God uses as a way to pour grace into our hearts to experience Absolutely.
0: that. Absolutely. Another verse that I think of when I think of, you know, the peace of God, even the promises that he said in Isaiah even, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you Amen. because he trusts in you. That's before Jesus was even here. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those promises were even given to the Israelites before the Messiah was given. Right, And that is something that they had nothing but the Old Testament to look at, mm-hmm. so they didn't have the Messiah with them, they didn't have Christ like we have Christ, but yet they were still able to fully and confidently trust in God mm-hmm. for their for their peace. Now that we have the Messiah who came and who died and who rose, you know he didn't stay in the grave, he rose out of the grave. We now, how much more can we experience that peace and you know like they did? yeah, even greater, you know so amen. That's just something that encourages me as well. And also another verse I think of in John 16, these things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace in the world. You will have tribulation, but be a good cheer. I have overcome the world. So we're not promised these lives that are going to be super easily and, you know, have no trouble. We are actually told that we will have trouble in the world, but we have cause to have peace. Right and to be cheerful because Christ has overcome the world already. Right. And because he has overcome, we too have overcome.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah, those are great verses you shared, and they encouraged me. Like, I probably would have never thought about those. The
1: perfect verses. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and what you just said reminded me, of, like, John 16, where uh, a couple chapters before, Jesus tells the disciples, yeah. he's trying to, get them ready for him to leave. And you would think yeah. they, for them, this is the shalom. This is the completeness. The Messiah is here. Yeah. And then he's trying to tell them, I'm about to leave. And they're, and they're, <laughs> they're just like, what? What? You know? What do you mean you're about to leave us? <laughs> you know, and and obviously we know like looking backwards and, and uh, Jesus told them over and over like, but... Like us, they're hard of hearing, like, I'm going to die and then I'm going to rise again. And so he's trying to prepare them for his death. And um, I'm looking at John 14:27, And even looking back at 26, he's promising that he's going to send the Holy Spirit. So he's, he's with them for a little while. He's going to send the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in his name. And he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you you know, what's going to carry a disciple through the rest of their life as Jesus is no longer physically walking with them? It's to remember his presence and to remember all the things that he taught them, the principles of the kingdom. And the spirit's going to be there to remind them of those things. And so the spirit through that is like imparting peace. And then Jesus follows that up with peace I leave with you. So yes, he is leaving the earth, but he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let your hearts, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And then he says, you heard me say to you, I'm going away and I will, and I will come to you. So he's, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to come, I'm going to come back. And in this time where I'm leaving, I'm leaving you with peace. And, and it's a huge encouragement that as you know Christ leaves that tangible you know expression on the earth and and goes to heaven where his you know the earth is his footstool and all things are are under him and we're awaiting his return mm-hmm. that he would send to us his spirit, which is the spirit of Christ applying that peace to our hearts, which is what allows eleven. 12 men and more to die for the sake of the faith while still proclaiming with joy this good news I think that's the perfect transition
0: to go into the next talk for um, this word peace that we're studying Mm -hmm. so of course in our current context we are living in America very comfortably you know And we are told that peace is, according to American standards, there are certain things that we would say are the definitions of peace. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So for the first one, I want to kind of go through each of them, and then we can go through what the actual peace of the Lord looks like. Mm -hmm. The first one, we are often told as Americans that, you know, peace is lack of war or lack of conflict. And praise God, there are times... We are blessed, you know, that we have not had a ton of conflict on our soil, yet we are mm-hmm. always fighting someone else's war, I feel like, as, Ameri- or in, as America. Mm-hmm. We're always fighting in a war. Um has not been here, during our time at least. Mm-hmm. And we're blessed by that. But I look at Christ and I often see there's a call to conflict at times. There's a time when we will be engaging in war. And speaking of a spiritual matter, we're always fighting in a spiritual war. You right. know, there's always spiritual forces within. And something that I've been learning at church recently, you know, we've been talking about spiritual warfare. Our three enemies that we have that we're fighting in a spiritual war are, one, they're the flesh, mm-hmm. you know, the world, and the devil. And those are very real enemies that we have to constantly be aware of and constantly know their tactics, especially our flesh, because, you know, we think that we haven't engaged on this flesh, but we often often don't, you know. What are your thoughts on that, Nate?
1: On just battling the flesh?
0: Yeah, Um, battling the flesh.
1: Yeah. Man. I think that's one of the times where I can often feel... Uh, not very peaceful just because I feel very weak. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, there's times where I just cry out to the Lord and I'm like, God, I'm like I'm so <laughs> Yeah. I'm so needy. <laughs> like I'm so <laughs> like, man, like I'm just so bad at even fighting. You know? Yeah. Even if I fight sometimes I feel like I don't fight well. I fight lazily. So yeah, I I think just as we th- as we think about peace and how do, and how does that go with spiritual warfare um you know I think one direction that that I would think of going in is just the fact that our peace is a part of our spiritual warfare because again I think if it comes back to completion the flesh is looking for fulfillment the flesh is looking for completion it's looking for peace but it's looking in the wrong place and the way that you fight that instead of going to the broken cisterns or the dried up well is to go to where the spring is full and that's in Christ you know you think about him with the uh the Samaritan woman in John 4 like telling her you know, give me a drink of water. And she's like, you don't have a bucket. Like, you know, she's <laughs> yeah. like, what are you talking about? Like, why are you talking to me? You're a Jew. And and yeah, and he's like, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew who I was, then you would have asked me. Give me for a drink. And I would give you living water. And she's like, oh, where do you get this living water? You yeah. know, what's interesting <laughs> is like, so they go through the whole conversation and she came there to get water which by God's grand design is something that we need for Mm -hmm. a sense of completeness and healthiness in our body.
0: Right. Mm -hmm.
1: But by the end of the conversation, she literally just left her bucket and ran into the city Mm -hmm. to tell people about Jesus and why it's because she actually left full, but full of living water. And I think, and when we think about fighting the flesh, it's that same thing. It's putting aside our bucket Regardless of if we're, you know, our flesh is vying for something that's openly sinful or it's vying for a satisfaction on something that's God given and fine, but could be idolatrous, you know, if we're yeah, overemphasizing it. Like, put that bucket down and fill up on this everlasting water, which Jesus told her, like, whoever drinks from that will never thirst again. And that is the picture of completion and peace. Um, So I think uh, practically, you know, what does that look like? Well, what did it look like for Christ when he was in the desert and he was hungry in the wilderness and Satan was tempting him? How did he fight? Well, he fought with the word and with the promises of God. You know, as preachers will often say, it is written, it is written, it is written. Like He didn't. He didn't fight the devil by trying to ignore him, and be like, "Ah, oh, no, I'm just not going to talk to him. I'm going to think about something else." Like, and so I think peace is a weapon against the flesh in this war, and to have yeah. the peace that surpasses all understanding, I think is what quenches those thirsty parts of us and um, helps us to set aside the things of the flesh because. It's like chump change compared to the wealth and the value that is found in peace in Christ.
0: Amen. Amen, I agree with that completely. And then to speak to the other part of that, as far as like the physical side, mm-hmm. um, the lack of conflict, I know we are called to live peaceably with everyone as much as possible, according to Romans twelve eighteen. Yeah. But there are times in that we are not going to be able to. It says as much as possible, of course, you know? Right. I often think of how the Bible says that Christ did not come to bring peace, but a a sword. sword. Yeah. And I struggled with that verse for so long. Like, what does that even mean? And, of course, it says it right after that. I came to, you know, a father against a son, and, you know, a daughter-in-law against a mother. Yeah. And, basically, what I'm getting from that is that, we are going to have times where we are not going to agree with everyone in our families based on what we believe. And there will be tension and there will be disagreements and there will be arguments because of what you believe. And I think in those moments where we are at conflict with our family, we need to lean into Christ even more understanding and praying that he knows what's best. Hmm. And knowing that maybe he will use his conflict, Lord willing, you know, and that's not guaranteed for everyone, but that he will use his conflict, Lord willing to draw the unbeliever to himself. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the hardest part, um, or it's been the hardest thing for me to trust in Scripture, because there are things in my life right now we're going through, um, you know, some of it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, God, I don't see how this is going to glorify you mm. <laughs> ultimately you know but we have the promises that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose right and that's something I've been clinging on to even in the midst of conflict with those I love or you know with those who I grew up around and so right just to speak on the other half of that you know this yeah
1: yeah yeah I think you know, when we're asking the question, God, how are you, how are you glorified in in this division? And it's it's a hard truth, but if you look at God taking Israel and separating them from the other nations, not because they were better, not because they were good at all, you know, but for His own namesake, for His own glory, how desire to be glorified in them? Well, it was that they would be. Separate, that they would be holy. And uh, we've been going through, a, we were talking about last week, like, what does it look like mm-hmm. to be separate? And in the situation um, where the Israelites are returning from exile in Babylon to now, God has given them the opportunity under the Persian king to rebuild the temple. And then these other people come who have been chilling in Israel while they were gone and are like, oh, let us help you. Let's help. Let us help you build the temple. We worship Yahweh, too. And mm-hmm. as, you know, being faithful to, to God, they had to be like, no, nah, like, no, you can't help us because <laughs> you don't just worship Yahweh. Like, You worship other gods. And that's yeah. so interesting because, you know, we had discussion groups and one of the teams like asked me a very culturally relevant question that related to what that looks like today. And like how the church is oh. becoming like, you know, how does the church deal with the acceptance of certain sins and people wanting to be like, Oh, I feel like I can worship God and live the way I want in this way. And also mm-hmm. be a part of a member of the church who's involved in doing this, that, and the other. And like, and it's like, well, everybody's welcome to come in here the gospel, like preached and the and to be a part of the worship service. But you know, This whole idea of, like, I'm just going to, like, live in sin, but then also be a part of the building up of the church. It's like, no, like, like the Israelites, we have to say, no, like, our witness before God is at stake whenever we join hands with those who reject God with their lives. Um, Wow and ultimately god is not glorified in that kind of unity because it's being unequally yoked it's to mix light with darkness to call evil good and good evil and that is the false piece i think that the world is propagating right and wow. that's all, yeah. all over right just like I remember being in high school and the whole, like, tolerance thing is getting bit Tolerance, tolerance, tolerance. Uh, <laughs> and thinking, like, you know, I get tolerance. I think that's a helpful word, but I feel like we're not using it right. If your neighbor has a noisy dog and it's annoying you, tolerance isn't saying, I love that your dog barks at 5 a.m. and wakes me up. <laughs> tolerance is saying, you know, it annoys me, but I love Jim and Carrie and Fido and you know what I'll press past it even though it bothers me. And so like, when do we redefine tolerance to mean like I'm cool with it? Like, I love it. It's great. (laughs) You know? Yeah. And I think that's, that's what the world is trying to press. And, you know, it reminds me first Thessalonians chapter five, where Paul is, is warning them, you are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. When it will come, while people are saying there is peace and security, then yes. sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day, will, that day to surprise you like a thief. And then he says, he talks about how the children of light, and then out of the night, but then he says, so then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. And, you know, you might think what's the most restful, peaceful state you can be in sleep. And yet (laughs) that is a false rest yeah, um, because the world is sleeping on the truth. So, yeah, what's interesting is, you know, as the world is drunk on this false peace and security, we're Meant to be sober minded, waiting for mm-hmm. a true peace, wait, waiting for the full completion when Christ comes. And obviously that's going to put us at opposite ends to where, you know, the world is. And that's not yeah. us trying to just like, you know, be annoying or like just trying to get in their face. But yeah. it's just the reality of if you are seeking Christ and the world is seeking the things of the flesh, then there is automatically tension. And it's good that there is not peace there because that is a reflection of God's character. He is not at peace with sin. He's not cool with it. He's not chilling around it. He has a deep disdain and hatred for it. And so it's interesting though, is that God also has a great love and mercy towards sinners. And so even in our families and our closest friendships, we'll be called to reflect God in a deep disdain and hatred for sin and a great love and mercy toward humans. And that the people that we love, we will still seek to love them with an the unconditional love, but we will not, you know, obey our parents. If they tell us to, to sin, we will not be complete yeah, complicit yeah. with our siblings. If they're like, this is a lifestyle I want to live. And I think it's good, you know? Um, yeah. And that's where this kind of, love and true peace meets this kind of fake acceptance and fake peace and they just kind of butt heads against each other. That is my daily struggle. Mm.
0: <laughs> I think, yeah, like we live, like you said, just the tolerance, like when is, when do we draw the line? You know, where do we draw the line? It's like it's the question I have all the time. Like, mm. When are you going to be tolerant of what I say is my question. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Because
0: when I say something that is against what you believe.
1: Zero tolerance.
0: Zero. (laughs) Not one ounce of tolerance. Oh, I'm a bigot or I am, you know, I just I don't understand or. You can believe
1: everything except for that.
0: You can believe everything except the truth. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Whatever makes people uncomfortable. And I think that's the problem. We are looking for comfort. We're looking for, like you said, that false peace, which often comes in comfort. Mm-hmm. Um, which brings us to the next one. Peace from the world is seen as stability in finances and security. So, like sub- security in your job, I guess we can say.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oftentimes, I think that Christ causes us to give up some of our financial stability. But we know that ultimately he's not calling us to give up anything that we're not going to get back. Yeah. Because we're going to live in eternal pleasure and, and riches with Christ. Ultimately, he is our treasure. You know, he's our true prize. Yeah. But God ain't poor. Right. <laughs> he, li- made, he literally made it all. Right. So he's not calling us to give up something that he's not going to give us back. That's way better. Mm. Like we live in houses that are made of wood and stone, and they burn. Yeah. We drive cars that are going to burn. We crash it, it's done, you know? But what the Lord promised us will last forever. And I think that we think too often of our security and our comfort and our financial stability on this side of earth, and we cling onto it so tightly that we often lose our peace of mind. Right. You know, we're trying to hold on to something that we can't keep. The rich man dies. He can't take it with him. The poor man dies. He had nothing to take with him in the first place. Right. Like, I don't know. Like, that's just something I've been wrestling through as well when I think about this topic. Because, you know, as I look at my finances, I have been trying to learn how to let go even more, knowing that, okay, I may have accumulated X amount of dollars, but for what For what means? Like, what is the end of this? mm You know, what's the point of this? Is it for me just to say I have this much money in my bank account and I feel safe? Yeah. Because I can, like, guard myself from emergency or, you know, from anything happening if there was an emergency. What is the point of it? You know? Mm. When I'm ultimately not living to be secure on this earth. I don't want my treasure to be on this earth. I want my treasure to be in heaven with Christ. Right. So...
1: Yeah, that's right. Where, where moth and rust do not destroy. Exactly. Yeah, I think a couple places that come to mind for me is like I don't know why this, this past past couple of years, the parable of the rich fool has come to mind. It's a good one. Uh, Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like (laughs) it's a good one. (laughs) It's bad convicting. It's interesting. Okay, like to get back to the family dynamic and the lack of peace there and then on top of that to talk about looking for peace and finances like this parable comes out of a guy coming up to jesus saying teacher tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me like you know tell him (laughs) he needs to divide the money up with me in the in the house and the the, and the cows and all that You know, and Jesus, his answer is so interesting. He's just like, man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? Like, who told you this was my business to divide your estate?" But then he teaches them and and tells them, take care and be on guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Mm -hmm. And I think what's interesting is, hear that from all sorts of sources these days I think in our kind of post-Christian yet Christian rooted in some ways culture where we like to take all these principles but forget where they're quoted from you know people say all the time like money you know money isn't everything money's not Mm -hmm. like and then you know they go and in their music video they're dropping dollars all over the place (laughs) <laughs> um and uh you know and jesus tells him this parable there's a guy who is a rich man he had plenty of land and he thought to himself what am i gonna do now i have nowhere to store my crops i got all this stuff you know and he says oh i'll do this i'll tear down my barns and i'll build larger ones yep. and there i will store my grain and my goods and i'll say to my soul Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. And I think what's interesting is, you know, and I, I'll i just finish it. But Jesus then says, but God said to him, fool. So that God shows up he's like, fool, this night your soul is required mm-hmm. of you. You're going to die. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? Mm-hmm. So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. I think a lot of times, you know, we hear this parable and some people, the first question is like, oh, so I shouldn't have a savings account. It's like, <laughs> it's like, like no, no, that's not. That's not exactly that's what he's not, saying. That's not what Jesus is saying. <laughs> he's not saying don't be wise with your money. You know, it's not saying you have to have a savings account. He's not saying you don't have to have a savings account. It's not a commentary <laughs> on savings accounts. Um But it's getting at this man's security Mm -hmm. is in his wealth. And his pride is also there. And he feels, man, I have done good to myself. I've laid, I have enough stuff for years. So what am I going to do? The complete opposite of what Paul said in 1 1 Thessalonians 5, right? Which is like, don't sleep, be sober, be alert. You know, the coming of the Lord is coming. But this guy says... What am I going to do? Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. I'm going to live it up. I'm going to live it up. I'm going to chill. I'm going to fall asleep. I'm good. Yeah. I have security. and But there isn't security in money, as we know. And, yeah. and God's whole point is like, okay, you die, and then whose money is this? Not exactly. only that, but let's say you live, and somehow you lose all your money. Um, what then? What then? <laughs> like, what are you going to do? Like, What are you going to do? Like, honestly. (laughs) Yeah. Thieves can break in and steal. Moths rust and destroy. The economy could crash. Bro, like, can you imagine if what happened to Venezuela happens to America? And we're just kind of living off dreams that, like, nah, that can never happen. (laughs) I I,
0: I have no doubt that what happened there could happen here. Right. (laughs) Like, you know, it's like, what would we do then? Like, where would we turn to? And I love how everyone, when everything is going well, they have no need for God, you know? Yeah. But the very instant something tragic happens, where does everyone either point their finger to in anger or they cry out to? Right. They cry out to heaven, to God. Mm Mm-hmm. And... I know this is kind of a weird reference, but I like to reference to Andy, Mineo, Andy, Mineo, Mineo's, eh, Andy Mineo's song. Sorry, Andy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, where it says in the Vert-Earn song, you can't be angry with someone who does not exist. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, that's so true. Like, why are we angry with someone if we don't think this individual exists? Right. Like, he clearly exists. We all know. We all have we all have the general revelation of God. We all are given, you know, that gift of God. Mm-hmm. So, it's whether we choose to acknowledge him or not. Like, I don't know where I'm getting at that point, but yeah. yeah, I just find it funny that people that people want to blame God when things go bad or they want to cry out to God when things are bad, but yet when things are going so well, there's no need for him or we like to, you know, we like to basically Act like he doesn't exist.
1: Yeah. And and I think it's because they, they're thinking of God as the thief who took their peace. Mm. Whereas if God was your peace, no thief could take that. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And what's, you know, a second, you know, passage that comes to mind for me is the parable of the rich young ruler it comes to Jesus yep. and, you know, he walks away disappointed because... Jesus basically tells him, okay, like you say you followed all the commandments. If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions, give them to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Mm -hmm. And come and follow me. And Jesus isn't saying, no, don't worry about treasure or valuable things. Or like, Mm -hmm. you know, don't, you know, don't consider value in life. Just be happy and just forget about value. No, Jesus is, is actually... Telling him to invest in a greater value. Yep. He's he's saying, yeah, what you're investing. It's like a, if you think of Jesus. I know nothing about stocks and investment, but if you think about Jesus, <laughs> he's your, he's your investor helper. He's saying, look, you're you're sinking cash in that place over there, man. Like that's <laughs> like you need to really put your your treasure over here, and that's what he's yep. telling this this guy is like. But the guy loves that temporary place where he's putting all of his value so much that he's willing to forfeit treasure in heaven uh, yeah, and that in the disciples after that they're like oh snap like if this dude can't be saved and he said he followed all the commandments since he was a youth like can we be saved and jesus tries to assure them like salvation all things are possible with god god is able to save you and then Absolutely. peter as if he's like wanting to make sure he's like Jesus, see, we left everything and followed you. <laughs> like, oh my <laughs> God, we left straight up. You called me off the boat. I walked off the boat. I came. I didn't, I question. I didn't question. I just left. And then he's like, what are we going to have? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I love Jesus' response, which I think is so, um, it's so radical when we think of the sense of that we're trying to guard against ridiculous, unhealthy dangerous things like the prosperity gospel but we have to look at the reality of what jesus does say and not ignore things like this where he, he looks he doesn't rebuke peter and be like oh peter your mind's on the wrong thing no he comforts him and says truly i say to you in the new world when the son of man will sit on his glorious throne you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of israel and everyone who has left houses or brothers mm-hmm. or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my sake, will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who yeah. are first will be last and the last first. And so Jesus is telling them, whatever you're leaving in this world, you're going to receive a hundredfold. And we, we don't want to get the listeners, if they're not believers, to get it twisted and be like, oh, I get it. Like you're you're giving up your house in this life because you're about to get a hundred houses in heaven. That's what you do. It was like, nah, no, it's, you know, it's, not, it's not that simple. I mean, yeah. in a sense, sure. Like that, it is the case that we will be blessed with abundantly more in, in family and housing and, and like all the things that we're leaving behind, but it's yeah. not because we're, we're going to get like at MTV cribs in heaven. It's ultimately (laughs) because that's when all things are going to be right. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, and Jesus is saying here, you will receive a hundredfold of those things and will inherit eternal life. Well, that's the key. What is eternal life? John 17, Jesus says to the father, it is to know you and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And so the greatest treasure is to know God and to live with him. And a part of that is inheriting the earth. Amen. And the Bible says, you know, he who did not spare his own son, will he not also give us all things? So it's not about like the, oh, oh I get it. Like, we're going to play God to try to get more stuff. No. Bro, yeah. like the house, the, a hundredfold on the houses or a cattle on a thousand hill, that's like a keychain compared to the wealth of eternal life with God. So Amen. yeah, we're getting all that stuff, but like, you know, it's a drop in a bucket compared Amen. to the true wealth that we're gaining through knowing Christ.
0: Absolutely. I like to add to that for those who may not be believers and may not understand that when I think about, you know, that eternal life we were promised, even the promises of the you know, the wealth that we're gonna have in Christ. Yeah. I am not as excited about that as I am excited honestly about being done with my battle with sin. Amen. Oh my goodness, Amen. that is going to be the ultimate joy and the ultimate pleasure, like not having to worry about, okay, am I going to be tempted by this today? Am I going to be worried about this tomorrow? You know, yeah. like that for a believer, that beats any house. Yes. I'm sorry. That beats any, any amount of crown or any amount of diamonds or any, any asset, anything. I will give it all up today. Yes. If God was like, "All right, you give this all up, you will not have to struggle with any of the sins that you struggle with," I would give it up today. Yeah. Just so you guys can know, like, we're not worried about the material things as much as we are more worried about being with Christ and being done with our battles with sin. Yeah, Amen. and that to us is the ultimate prize.
1: Yeah, and the and the and like obviously God is saying He will give us those things, and so they're good. But it's just yeah. like if you focus on them. It's kind of like, you're missing, you're missing it. <laughs> like, Yeah. Like, it, God is, he's saying, that, that stuff's going to be thrown in. Yeah. And it's like, it's the, don't worry about It's the about cherry that. on top. Yeah.
0: It's the cherry on top. That's it. It's like, like oh,
1: you'll get a hundredfold of that stuff. I Don't worry about like, <laughs> Like, that's not, you know. Yeah, I think you yeah. put it well, brother. Like, when I think about just my sh- struggles with sin and like, there's some the other night just thinking about trying to go to sleep without mm. wrestling with anxiety, pride, lust, covetousness, those types mm. of things and just wrestling with god like if i could, you know, for this war to end. That yeah, peace, you know, to get back to the subject like that's peace. Like that's the peace i'm waiting on like for it to, to have, be done,
0: to have the relationships that you are meant like how how relationships were meant to be you know on that side of eternity with our brothers and sisters in Christ yeah where there may be some some conflict or there may be some tension that may not be healthy Mm. you know to be able to enjoy those relationships fully and to know that person fully without any of what we deal with on this side oh my goodness talk about pure delight you know yeah That's something I really look forward to. Amen. But I think we should wrap up here shortly. So, Nate, I want to ask you um, just kind of one more question. I'm going to pose it to myself as well. Mm -hmm. How has the Lord provided peace for you in a tangible way um, recently?
1: Hmm. Man, um, I think even just to tie it into kind of what, we're talking about in the beginning through his promises. Mm -hmm. And it is one thing to know that the promises are true, but when God gives you even just a glimpse of the fruit and fulfillment of that promise, I think it is so rejuvenating and it's just such a reminder of his hand at work. And I, I don't know if I can think of an analogy for it, but, you know, I, I just think, you know, there are times where I think, yeah, for instance, there's one day I was thinking about the other week uh, or the other day, last weekend, I was thinking I had a day that was free to myself and I kind of had a little bit of anxiety in the morning because I was, Mm -hmm. I was thinking like, I've been really busy, but here's a day that's free. I could really just waste this whole day on the flesh. And I don't mean like resting would be wasting it. Mm-hmm. Um But like I could just like use it just to indulge in like laziness or 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 foolishness and just the passions of the flesh and I was just praying, like how will how will I use this day <laughs> like for, yeah. for God's glory? Like and there was this anxiety of like of that and so I, I prayed about it and god provided in a number of ways and and being able to fellowship with others and had a friend who was in need who i was able to help uh wow. encourage wow. that day and you know at the end of the day realizing wait a second like that was an answer to prayer like this day you know wasn't wasn't wasted and nonetheless like even if if I didn't see it happen in that way, but I just know the promises of God. I know that he loves me. I know that he's with me. I know that, you know, that should be enough, right? Yeah. To to yeah. put my anxious mind off and say like, Nate, don't, don't be anxious about wasting the day. Just live it out. Just live and love the Lord. But for the Lord just to show up and like, you know, kind of put it in front of my face, I think. those are Those are, you know, we're not always promised to feel it tangibly. And so I think there's just been several times Mm -hmm. recently where you know i've just been calling god calling on god based on his promises Mm -hmm. and asking him to act and sometimes i don't feel it but i know it's true and there's other times where he just shows me a glimpse it's just like moses in the cleft of the rock like he didn't see much but it was enough for him to come down with his face glowing Yep. and i think there's been ways in the past few years that god's been dealing that way with me just I've been struggling, to be honest, uh, spiritually in a lot of ways. But there's times where I think the important thing is just Matthew 6, like seeking first the kingdom of God and God, all these things will be added to, to, add you. to you. Yep. And just as I have, by God's grace, been seeking to do that because I, I failed to do it on my own. But as I call out to him for his help and use his promises, he answers it. And, and I think if there's a biblical model. Like if you look at Moses praying on behalf of the people and God's about to destroy the people is like, God, it's based on your promises. Like what yeah. will the nation say? Did you bring them out of Egypt just to destroy them? And so he's going based off, he's praying based off the character of God and what is God doing? He's answering out of his, out of, out of that. And so I think the promises of God shaping my prayers and what I'm praying for and how I'm praying I'm then asking God for things that he has directly promised. Yeah. And even when he answers, sometimes like, most of the time I'm still surprised. I'm like, whoa, you know? Yeah. And I think that's just been a great blessing of peace. So that in the time where I, I don't feel that way, or I don't feel the peace, or I don't feel faithful or, or, I, or I feel weak, I can look back on the works of God and his faithfulness. And it brings me peace. As, you know what? Like God has brought me through. And he will continue to do so. And so I think that, that's that's one way that the Lord has been working in my heart, has been crying out to him.
0: Amen. I appreciate you sharing that.
1: Yeah. What about you, brother?
0: Wow. Um, I can definitely say probably similarly to you, like just through the promises of the word. I often get really anxious when I think about things I can't control. Hmm and and they're sometimes very petty things and sometimes they're more serious things um but just to give a a generic example of one i often think about just natural disasters Mm -hmm. and i feel like my mind is attacked at night when i'm going to bed i'm like all right what if an earthquake happens and Mm -hmm. you know what if you know i wake up in the rubble of my home and i'm just frantically lying here yeah i'm just sitting there honestly worried about these things yeah and i will seriously just have a a surge of peace come over me and i can just remember the verse like do not fear when sudden destruction comes upon you Mm. and i think i'm comforted knowing that god is completely sovereign over all of those things that if it is something that were to happen it happened because god allowed it to happen and that he will take care of me no matter what the result
1: Amen. And ultimately,
0: if I weren't to survive, I'd be in heaven with him.
1: <sighs> which might um, be better.
0: Which might be. <laughs> Would a be lot better.
1: better.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that's just one one small example.
1: Send the earthquake, though. <laughs> Don't <laughs> so,
0: Oh, no. Don't no, send the no, earthquake. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> but no, I just think about how I get anxious about things that I honestly have no control over. Yeah. And even when I think about Matthew 6, um, another verse in Matthew 6. How we're not to worry about our life, what we eat or drink or what we'll wear, you know, because our life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. Like, I worry about those things. I'm like, okay, God, how are you going to provide these things for me? And then i pointed right back to where the scripture says. Mm. Did I not clothe? Do I not clothe the flowers Mm. in the field? You know, they don't labor or spin.
1: Yeah.
0: I clothe them and I have that same promise, like God will take care of me. You know, I may not be wearing Versace, but God will provide what I need, right. you know, and that to me is, it gives me so much peace, knowing that the results are not always up to me, when we live in such a result-driven culture, where it's like, well, you got to work hard, you got to do this, you got to do that, knowing that my God is working for me,
1: mm-hmm. and that
0: he has promises in the word that I can rely on, you know, of course, I think we do have to obviously work, you know, man that doesn't work doesn't eat. But knowing that ultimately the final result and the final say is with God. Yeah. That gives me so much peace. Yeah. Like, it really does.
1: Yeah. I, I think if I were to, now that you say that, if I were to add add one thing to what I said before about just trying to think through how does, tangibly, like, how is God working peace in my life? Mm-hmm. I remember several years back, I remember texting out a lot of people I knew. This something that Kind of came to my heart because I don't even remember what I was worrying about, but I was worrying about something. Mm-hmm. And just the thought that came to my mind is that the Lord is my shepherd. Like, Amen. And he does not seek my destruction. Mm-hmm. And I think as Christians <laughs> who we know God is out to destroy our idols, right? Yeah. And we know that God is going to refine us, and refining happens through fire, and, like, we have all these metaphors of things that are difficult mm-hmm. in, in which, like, God is loving us and making us beautiful. Discipline, as a father disciplines his son, you know, and there's sometimes, I think, where we may begin to confuse God tearing down our idols with God that tearing Ooh. down us. Ooh. And I know recently that came to my mind again, just as I can, there's something, you know, it's been very weighty on my heart, which is a good thing, but a hard thing. And like, Mm -hmm. God, like, I don't know, like what this is going to lead to. And, and I'm honestly praying all the time, like, Lord, like if this is just going to end up crashing and burning, and this is not going to glorify in the first place. So let me stop. Yeah, you know, but I, I feel like the Lord is leading me to be like faithful through this and 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 to be faithful through this process, and and I had like I had to remind myself, Nate, like God is not just trying to bring you up to the top of the cliff and let you climb all the way just to flick you off and let you drop <laughs> to the bottom, <laughs> you know, like He's this is gonna grow, you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Good laughs> exactly, exactly, you know, like He didn't have uh. the spirit help you climb up just so he could like push you out know? <laughs> like and i think that reminder like the lord is not out for your destruction and that's been my comfort for the things that i just don't know how they're gonna turn out and you know who knows for somebody that might be like a job interview and they've been going through the whole process and like they're wondering lord how's it gonna turn out regardless of if it's a yes or it's a no like You made it through 18 rounds of the interview and you're like, Lord, I don't (laughs) what's what's going on? Like just he's not out for your destruction. Like whatever it is, he's not he's not out to harm you, he's out for your good. And I think that promise, that truth has been so good to me, just as I've been thinking, like, God, I don't know what the future holds. And sometimes Mm. I want the escape route. Like, "Mm, all right, let me go. Peace. Go to heaven, you know. But God's <laughs> intent is for me to endure, but to not to endure, knowing that yeah, he's he's not like some one of those like like grizzly physical trainers in the gym yeah, that yeah. like you know super buff has mad chest hair and speaks to you in a foreign accent like I'm going to hurt you, but little man, you <laughs> know <laughs> like like in the, not it, Arnold. <laughs> yeah in the end you know you're gonna look really good, but he's just ready to crush you until that happens I know God. like he has such good intent for the process to be for your benefit and for your good and for your enjoyment and for your not just for your final complete peace at the end but for you to have peace through it and yeah you know I've, I've, I've spoken too much but I think that no. at that, that point of like he is not out for my destruction he's out for my good like oh that's so good like I can hold on to that
0: yeah I think Nothing is wasted. That's what comes to mind. Yeah, amen. Not one thing is wasted with our God. That's, yeah, that's all you need to be, like, to have peace. Hmm. Knowing that nothing is wasted.
1: Right. That's Joseph uh, in the Egyptian jail.
0: Exactly. Joseph in the Egyptian jail. Oh, man. I was at Anacostia River Church, and they talked, he he talked about Joseph. And it was, like, the perfect timing, yeah. but um, we can talk about that offline. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Um, but, yeah, um, thanks for joining, Nate. Yeah, I brother. You're welcome. This has been a very fruitful conversation, and I want to invite you guys to join in the conversation by leaving comments wherever you're listening, iTunes, Stitcher, Anchor, wherever you're listening, leave comments, follow me on IG. You can feel free to DM me there, and we can continue this conversation offline thanks again for joining nate yeah no problem and we will be picking up with the next fruit of the spirit so we talked about peace today and we'll be talking about patience next time so join us then
1: peace peace